Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Parents can easily miss their child's eye problems. Issues can occur in only one eye, making them difficult to notice. The earlier an eye health or vision problem is identified, the more likely it can be corrected. The IC iLearn program provides an eye exam and free glasses if needed for kindergarten-age children. 25% of kids begin the first grade with an undiagnosed eye problem. To book your child's eye exam, please visit optometrist.com. Getting into the the busy time of the Christmas season. Yes. Presents to wrap, presents to buy, decorations to put up. Stuff to order. Baking to bake. Baking to bake, baking to eat, baking to send. Yeah. As you do. Plenty to do. And, And that's not even including all of the festivities that are going on family that there is to see though i suppose we're in another weird year where a lot of people are not going to be seeing as much family or friends as they might normally yeah we're sure not indeed something to uh look forward to next year yeah i was looking forward to it this year i know and that intrigues me a little bit because you're the kind of person who frequently laments how much christmas gets crammed into christmas but the last two years, when we haven't been able to cram in all that Christmas, you've been a little down about it. Okay. I like a good happy medium, though, of of Christmas things. And we went from way too much to hardly any at all. And neither of those are my happy medium of just the right amount. So, no, I didn't like it. There's like a nice, a nice middle ground that Nita likes. We're not there. At all. So I don't like it. Fair enough. I mean, perhaps all the more reason to have a friendly podcast to uh, read a cozy book along with. We're still here for you at Christmas times. That's right. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to buy us presents. You can. We'll accept presents. You can. You you don't have to. But you don't have to buy us presents. No. Uh, As mentioned last episode, we will be here right through the holidays. As scheduled every week, so. Yeah. Something to look forward to. hmm Yeah. Uh, with that said, I suppose uh, a brief recap of our previous chapter in which a duel took place. Mm, good idea. Uh, Jebby sneaks, uh, doesn't exactly sneak out, bribes their way out of the secret lair with a chaperone. Kind of sneaks out. Under false pretenses. Yeah. And attends Vey's duel against a dude that Vey apparently knows. That dude does not survive the chapter, as Vey wins the duel to the death, but not without first revealing that they may be the person who killed Jebby's sister-in-law. And that leads us into Chapter 7 of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. I don't even think dude got any lines. No, he's not important. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, because he's dead. Well, he, he might posthumously be important. We might learn more about what's going on there later. 
Maybe. Or maybe this was just a demonstration of how good Vey is at, at her job. And it turns out quite good. Yeah, quite good. Jebby actually hurries back to the office after the duel because, A, they don't really want to stick around and talk to Vey right now with this kind of revelation lingering in their mind. And also, they, they do want to beat them back because they don't want Vey to know that they were there to see the duel. Yeah, it was sort of a secrety thing yeah, that Jebby it- did. It actually turns out it's pretty easy to do because there's a lot of post-duel ritual that's going to keep Vey busy basically for the rest of the day. Yeah. Zakan also doesn't really press to learn what's up because Jebby is visibly agitated after this and, and wants to hurry back. And Zakan's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm, sure. So to keep themselves distracted, Jebby throws themselves into their work for the rest of the day and, and part of the next day as well. Well, also, the world just carries on. Like, no big deal. Duel over. Ho-hum. Back to work. Yeah, kind of. Like, everyone just picks up and carries on. What? Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just the way it is. If I had been standing in a square and just witnessed a man being sliced to death, I don't know that I could go back to work. I mean, he's not getting any less sliced and you have work to do. I know, but it's dramatic. Person lost a life. I mean... In a duel. To a be big deal. F- to be fair, there's definitely the implication that for a lot of people who were there to witness the duel and were certainly on dude's side, they might be taking the rest of the day off. Jebby just doesn't have that luxury and also wants to distract themselves. Fair enough. So that's, that's another reason why they kind of throw themselves into it. Now, the good news is they've actually hit upon a plan to learn a little bit more about the massacre that nobody seems to want to talk about. Because there is one other surviving witness to the massacre who they could talk to. Yeah. And the that dragon. is the dragon, Arazi, was there. It's just a question of how to get Arazi to talk because Arazi is a robot. Yes. Is Arazi even capable of speech? The implication is yes, the automata can speak so long as they are given proper programming to allow them to express themselves. Okay. And Jebby actually tests to see if the automata can communicate, but the initial attempt to talk to one results in nothing because it's very visibly not programmed to bother with it. Mm, Disagree. I don't think this results in nothing. It was a test. And what Jebby learned was that uh, the automata would need very specific special programming. Yeah, yeah. And the basic programming does not really allow for it. Exactly. You can't just walk up to, to, you know, one of these robots and strike up conversation, right? So Jebby learns that they must construct this. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a failure. I'd call that very useful information. That's one impediment, figuring out the exact programming they're going to need to use to get Arazi to be able to talk. The other one is that they need to do it in secret. They don't want anybody else to know that this is their plan. And that means that they can't go to Nahan and get their work double-checked, which is what they usually do. Yeah. So they, they have to be very precise and very careful because there's not going to be a safety net to ensure that they haven't messed up the programming. Right. Now, based on Asemi's notes, Jebby's worked out what they think is a grammar which should, A, give Arazi human-level intelligence so that it can think uh, and, yes. pro- and process the, the information that Jebby wants to glean from it. Yeah, basically, they want to make sure that the dragon is smart enough to communicate. Yes, right? and then give it the ability to communicate. Yes. Now, this is where Jebby actually hits another crossroads in their plan because... They need to decide whether or not they want to ensure that the dragon will tell everything. And they can compel it to tell the truth. There exists grammar that 
ensures that an automata will deal with you honestly. Yes. The flip side of that, though, is that if anybody found out what Jebby had done and went and questioned Arazi about it, Arazi would be like, oh, yeah, I told Jebby everything because yeah. Jebby asked. Because it is compelled to tell the truth. So Jebby decides that they need to risk adding in additional grammar that will allow the dragon to exercise discretion. Yes. And based Maybe on- that's the exact term that, yeah. that Jebby uses, to exercise discretion. That means, however, two things. Number one, the dragon, based on what they understand, will have the choice of whether to tell the truth or to dissemble. It also means that the dragon might not tell the truth about the massacre. Right. So there are two possible outcomes yes. to this, right? The dragon will tell the truth, mm -hmm. which means it might also- tell on Jebby. Yes. Or the dragon will choose to exercise discretion, which means not telling Jebby everything, but Jebby also won't get in trouble for talking to the dragon. That's Those aren't the only two possible outcomes. The dragon no. could also tell the truth to Jebby and then not tell the truth about having spoken to Jebby. Or which vice is, versa. Which is what Jebby's hoping will be the case. Yeah. It might... It is a gamble. Yeah. And it's a big gamble. And Jebby is aware that it's a risk. But it's the gamble that Jebby feels that they need to make because it's the only way that they can potentially get the two outcomes they want, which is learning what happened about the massacre and making sure nobody finds out that they're trying to find out about the massacre. Right. Any other option leaves open the possibility that they're either found out or that they don't get the information. Right. So, yeah, it's it's a risk. It is. Now, as Jebby works on this little bit of subterfuge, Vey returns after having had a day off yes. <laughs> to, re to recoup from the duel. Jebby tries with maybe a little success to hide their nervousness and unease with Vey having returned mm -hmm. uh, and tries to kind of deflect things away from having to talk about uncomfortable topics by basically just straight up asking after the investigation. What they had intended to ask originally a couple days ago before the duel, but got brushed off because the duel was coming well, up. Well, yeah. And Vey says, okay, now that the duel's over, I'll level with you. Honestly, not much new going on yet. But I can tell you the deputy minister definitely wants answers. So this is being looked into. And Jebby's like, okay, well, what's exactly my timetable here? They're asking this mainly because they want to know what kind of timetable they have to question Arazi. Yep. Because if the... Deputy Minister wants the dragon working tomorrow, they don't have much time. Nope. But if it's like, oh, you've got like a month or two, then they can take their time in regards to questioning Arazi. They can maybe take some time to figure out what's going on before they commit to giving this war machine over to the ministry, yes. right? And Vey's like, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you go ask him yourself? Because it turns out he wants to talk to you today, right now. And this does not quell Jebby's nerves. <laughs> nope, not at all. Now, Jebby assumes that they're going to be taken upstairs to Hevhandon's office, but it turns out he has a different office downstairs. I'm under the impression that he just has offices all over the place now. No, I assume that he has a public office upstairs, and then his actual office is down here in the secret lair. Well, fair enough. And the public office is where he met Jebby last time, but now they're just being taken to see him in his regular office. <laughs> being let in, Jebby immediately notes a prominent map with upcoming war plans on the wall. And this just further makes them uneasy. Yeah, nothing helps. No. There is no, there is no helping. And then just to make them even more uncomfortable, Vey is immediately dismissed. Yeah, there is no quelling of nerves forthcoming at all. No. Everything just makes it worse. Hafandin is like, no need to worry. I just, I want to report direct from you 
today because I want to hear, you know, from the source what's going on and how things are going. Just FYI, congratulations on finding the sabotage. Like, that was really good work. I'm very pleased. Big important question, though, how can you go about undoing it? And Jebby's like, okay, this is good. This means that they're a little bit in the dark about this. And that gives me a little ace in the hole because I actually know how to fix the sabotage. I can do it tomorrow. But if they don't know that, I can maybe buy myself a little time so that I can continue my investigation. I know they don't want to give up all of their state secrets all at once mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, a quote-unquote lowly artist. But realistically, how do they expect Jebby to work using only bits and pieces of information? It's need-to-know stuff. The thing is, Jebby needs to know. Well, and Jebby's asking. Because <laughs> the question of the timetable is an important one. It just hasn't come up until now. Right. Partly, I think, because they didn't know what was wrong with the dragon up until now. But now Jebby knows. Jebby has let slip, oh, the dragon was intentionally sabotaged. And they're like, cool beans. Now we know which direction we have to go in. We know what was broken with the dragon. How long will it take for you to fix it? That's kind of the point where they're at. And Jebby's like, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm missing some rare pigments. And it'll take a little bit of time to get that stuff taken care of. And... You know, Sean is having trouble finding suitable materials for that all-important Phoenix Extravagant, which we'll need. And Hafandin's just like, no problem. We'll we'll secure some stuff right away. It's fine. Don't worry about it. He it, seems to have bottomless pockets then. Well, and also, he's implying that there is some pressure. <laughs> that there is some haste to get this war machine ready. And Jebby asks, okay, well, what's exactly the hurry? Because, I mean, I might be an artist sequestered in a secret lair, but, I mean, I'm sure I'd have heard if we were at war with someone. Hefandon's like, let's just say the Western powers are circling like sharks. Mm. They smell blood in the water. And we need to have Arazi ready to go soon because they might make a move anytime. In the back of Jebby's mind, all they can really think is, Hafendin keeps saying that Arazi's only meant for the Westerners. But I know deep down that this weapon would be unleashed against my countrymen and my sister and other, you know, Huagugan partisans. Yep. So they definitely make like a personal mental note at the end of this chapter that they are going to try to stall for as long as possible, basically. That they're not going to give up what they know Mm -hmm. uh, easily. And that kind of uh, leads us into the end of the chapter. Yeah. Here's something that occurs to me. They clearly don't trust Jebby entirely. No, Jebby... When I say they, I mean the Ministry of Armor. Yeah, Jebby has not yet proven their uh, uh, reliability. Yes. Uh, However... Yes, Jebby has discovered that the dragon was sabotaged, which is why it didn't work properly. Yes. But that's actually kind of vague because Jebby doesn't know exactly what happened. Jebby doesn't know exactly what went wrong. So I honestly don't see why, especially after Jebby reported the discovered sabotage, Mm -hmm. why they weren't a little more forthcoming with information Jebby has proven themselves at least somewhat trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? They've solved the problem. Why don't they give Jebby a little more information so that Jebby can have a little more detail, so that Jebby can properly fix the dragon for them? I have a theory Okay. about why they might be keeping it from Jebby. Mm. 
I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy, Mac. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? This company is being bled like a stuck pig, Mac, and I got a paper trail to prove it. Check this out. Take a look at this. Because they don't want Jebby to know that the dragon was being unleashed against Huagugan partisans because they're worried that that might turn Jebby against the project. Ah. I suspect that the massacre that killed the garrison was in fact carried out by Huagugan partisans. And the problem was the dragon just sat by and let it happen. Oh. And the ministry is trying to cover that up. Oh, that's interesting. But that means that uh, Isemi... Might have been working for the Huagugans. Yes. Or at least sympathetic to their cause. Yeah, because the dragon should have stopped it and didn't because the dragon was being a pacifist. Yeah, and the dragon may have in fact been uh, taken to that outpost specifically to be used against Huagugan partisans as a test of its power. Yeah, and then it didn't. But then it didn't, and the garrison got wiped out by the... By the Huagugan. by uh, By the freedom fighters, yes. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think of that. That's that's my running theory at the moment. And the reason why that is my running theory at the moment is because at the end of this chapter, Jebby gets the impression that the dragon would be used against oh. uh, against the, the local rebellion. A thousand percent. Yeah. And so that, that made me go, oh, I wonder if that's what caused the massacre. Maybe. The dragon sat by and let it happen, which is problematic. Mm-hmm. And the ministry is trying to cover it up as, oh, the dragon was responsible for the massacre because they don't want to upset anybody by suggesting that the partisans were able to wipe out a Razani garrison. Because that shows weakness. Because that shows weakness mm-hmm. at a time when they need to be showing strength. Yeah, yeah. Because the Western powers are circling. You can't have internal strife when there is an external threat on the horizon, right? That's true. So that is my current theory. It's, I it's like it. pieced together from compelling, but admittedly, Scant evidence. We don't know. We haven't heard from the dragon's mouth. No. Uh, but that is what my current belief is. And one of the reasons why they're keeping it from Jebby then is explicitly because they don't want Jebby, a Huagugan artist, whose sister is involved with the resistance, to know that the dragon was being used against the resistance. Yeah, that makes because sense. Because that might poison the person who's fixing the dragon against the project to fix the dragon. Then doesn't it seem extremely dangerous to have hired Jebby in the first place? I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. I Jebby mean, was an excellent and available artist who they had true. leverage over. And they needed an artist today. That's true. Not the best situation for them, but maybe it's the best they've got. That, and I think that might be the case, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe we'll find out a little more. Maybe we'll even hear from Arazi itself as we move into Chapter 8 of our novel. Oh, that'd be so cool. Want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, you know, Jebby's an artist who's been brought in to help fix a dragon and not necessarily a secret layer, but a secret layer could use some fixing up. <laughs> and if you have a secret layer that needs some fixing up, you could uh, maybe tune in to Rumi by Atco's podcast where they ask a contractor all sorts of questions. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. Rumi by Atco. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. 
I wish we'd known about that when we needed some contracting work done last year. Hey, to be fair, the contractor we reached out to was great. Oh, yeah, he did was a great, fine. Did a great job, treated us very fairly, and gave us a, an excellent price for the work that we needed done. It's so. true. But this one was like, you know, a boost for the podcast network that we didn't know about at the time. Well, the good news is you can boost the podcast network by heading over to albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can check out all the other sponsors. You can also check out the member podcasts, of which there are many on innumerable topics. Oh, so many. Yeah, you'll definitely find something there that you like. Uh, You can find it on your podcatcher of choice, most likely. That's also where you're downloading our podcast. You can give us a little rating and a review. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. We We like talking to you. You can also reach out to us on social media. Oh, yes. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. You can also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. How do you talk to a dragon? Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.